glad to see each one of you here. We're thankful for those that might be joining online. Um, and today is uh, 9 September 11th, 2021. Um, so some of us, 22. The congregation has corrected me, but it's the 21st anniversary of 9-11. So I had the right numbers in the wrong places, so I appreciate that correction. Uh, so this is the 9-11-2022, the 24th anniversary of the 9-11 event, which, which some that are even in college today, if you think about that, um, weren't even alive or can't remember. So isn't that something? I think we have a little bit of a feedback in the room. I don't know if you heard it or not, but... Um, 9-11, and you might be thinking, where was I on 9-11? And some of you remember the day because you've heard it in classes or in history, but what I found when I was growing up is I, didn't, I don't feel like I was taught a lot about the Vietnam War in high school. Why? Because the two people that are teaching me didn't feel like it was history to them, it was life to them. And so some of you listening uh, online, uh, everyone I... Uh, may not be aware of what happened on that day, but some of you that I'm looking out and seeing, you remember 9-11. And you remember what was going on. And you remember the way it was before. Now some of you that weren't around for 9-11 uh, might be thinking that 9-1-1 come from 9-11. But 911 existed way before that. You ever thought about that? Some, some that weren't here at that time would think that 911 was, was part of. I doubt 911 because we're remembering 911. Now, 911 existed before, and it just, just balanced all that out together that we can remember 911. Maybe that's why the terrorists chose it. I'm not sure. But. Um, it was quite a day. Maybe you don't have a 9-11 moment. Maybe you don't remember, or maybe 9-11, you read everything else and you don't have a moment. Some people you're going to hear on the news and things today or in other or days around this, they're going to recount to you what happened for them on 9-11. But maybe you don't have a 9-11. You might have a 9-11 moment when a phone call came or you made the 9-11 call and everything changed. You know, some that are listening might remember Pearl Harbor. I don't know how many would remember the day Pearl Harbor. They might remember from history, but there's some that might remember the day. Some, some are going to remember the, the war that followed. They remember that things changed after Pearl Harbor because we went to war and some will be thinking of, you know, they lost a grandfather or a father or a relative or a brother or a sister. They can remember that. Some of us might be a generation removed from when our grandfather was killed, but had an impact. I know it had an, when my grandfather was killed. didn't directly impact me, but it kind of did because it impacted my dad, which impacted me. But there's so many other stories like that, and people in Korea or Vietnam or 
it changed. It changed. And see, when you have a 9-11 or you have uh, events like Pearl Harbor or these major events, you have a collective event. And the collective event, it's a great tragedy, but in that great tragedy, you can share with others that are mourning and going through different situations. It's like, I lost my, or this happened. And there's other people that's going through the same situation, so there's camaraderie in that activity. But some of you have your own 9-1-1 moments. It wasn't a national tragedy. They weren't blasting your situation across the news. They weren't telling about the situation you were dealing with everywhere. There weren't special groups spun up just to support you. You suffered your 9-1-1 alone. But it was just as great a tragedy for you. And you felt, you felt it. You know, with 9-11, some of us remember what it was like before. And we understand what's going on after. I remember before 9-11 that uh, my kids could come and take me to the airport gate and I would get on the plane. And, and we stopped doing that because I had a hard time looking back and seeing all the little faces plastered up against the glass. And I was leaving them all there on the plane. And wouldn't you know it, when the plane backed away, it backed away such a way so I had to look right at them. You know, the plane can either back away from the gate, so I'm looking away and not seeing the kids in the window, or it can back away so the kids are looking at me and I can see them in the window. Of course, it did it that way. And so then they just started to drop me off, and I would say goodbye and just turn around and keep going. And then I, you know, versus looking back. But as always, <coughs> and you think about it, and you're probably watching the movies and the old movies. You won't see them in nowadays movies. Used to be you could come off the plane, you look, and family could be meeting you right there. You just got back, and there's people to meet you. Now you can't do that, right? Things have changed. They used to ask you, says, now has there anybody else uh, carried your bag? Have anybody else seen your bag? Like, you know, like if you'd done something you shouldn't have, that you'd naturally tell them, no, no one else has seen my bag. That you would be honest. You might not even know what I'm talking about. Some of you, some of you understand, but things changed. It was. It was different. It was a before and it was an after. You know, when you go through those, those particular tragedies, the way you approach things is a little bit different. You know, before, see, nowadays if somebody says they're going to hijack the plane, there's more likelihood. What do they do now? Somebody's just really in stuff or they think somebody's a threat. The people in the plane get up and take the person down. Not just the stewardess and stuff. They take care of the situation. The people on the plane will go take care of it. It used to be is like, just do what the hijackers tell you. Everything will be okay. Because they hadn't done what they did on 9-11. They just hijacked the plane and they'd take them to a different place and try to get money or for whatever reason. But it wasn't like they was going to use the plane as a missile. That's all changed. Now the passengers, if there's a problem, they're going to help take that person down when there's a problem. It changed. It's different. Our security stuff has changed. Our privacy has changed. Things have changed, and it's, it's different. And, and some of us know the way things were. <coughs> and so we think about the way things could be. 
if certain things take place, but sometimes those that haven't experienced something, they don't realize. Their thinking is post 9-11, and they, they can't think about what, what led up to it. It's just like people that weren't around. We use the term Iron Curtain. They don't understand what communism was like under the USSR, or maybe they don't remember certain kinds of situations or the way it was. And so you see these warning signs, you say, hey, don't do this, this is going to lead to... They can't see it. And you don't want them to have to have their own 9-11. You don't want them to have to have their own 9-1-1 situation. But they don't remember, they haven't experienced, and you're trying to protect them. They don't remember how vulnerable maybe those that have studied histories and would look back and you're like, yeah, we've got all this power and all this military might. Well, when we were going into some of these World, War II, uh, World Wars, it wasn't necessarily so. We were very vulnerable. But we remember the before and the after, but it changed in a twinkling as an eye is the phrase I'm going to use because it's going to tie in with our Bible Scripture in 1 Corinthians 15 is where we're going to go in our Bible. But it changed in a twinkling of an eye. And you think about how things change in a twinkling of an eye, and there's this before and there's this after. And if we prepare for the situation, or if we look back historically and we see you know, they say if those that, you know, if you fail to study history, you're bound to repeat it. And it seems that is each generation, and, and it probably could be said of our generation, and probably could be said of the generation before, sometimes we learn the lessons of our previous generation, and we value and have benefit from it, but sometimes the lessons get so far removed from the experience that we tend to want to repeat them. But how do we prepare for these nine one ones? Or how do we prepare for these situations in the twinkling of an eye? Because I want you to think about, we have a twinkling of an eye situation that's coming. And we find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I just had to remember where I hid my glasses. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 58. Now, this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 15, again, this is uh, Corinthians. This is an epistle written to the church at Corinth by the Apostle Paul. Verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead, shall be, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. 
So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortality has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So let's expound on this a little bit. Let's go back to verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. This has to do with when, we, when it becomes time for us, as we know our bodies decay, it says we return to dust. This corruption, it becomes corrupted, it decays. It, we can't go from a decayable body, an, a corruptible body, into an incorruptible. The corruptible cannot become incorruptible. We have to be, there has to be a change that takes place. And it's through the blood of Jesus that we can have salvation and, and we can go from a corruptible to an incorruptible, meaning our bodies like a glorified body. It's a, it's a heavenly body. We would call it glorification, meaning we shall be changed. It says, in a, in a twinkling of an eye, when the trump sounds, when Christ comes and returns, the trump shall sound and we shall be changed from that decayed body. Those that are in the grave will come alive with an incorruptible body. but we shall all be changed. Even those that are on the earth, when Jesus comes again, there'll be this, in the twinkling of an eye he comes. And our bodies will have to be changed, and we will be raised incorruptible. We shall not sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, verse 52, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. There has to be a change. It's when Jesus comes. But when is that? We don't know. There's a song that says the signs of the times are everywhere. And as you look out and you see what's going on in the world, they're saying certainly, certainly, we are always been getting closer, but certainly some of the, the depravity that's out there, the depravity after our children and, and the sexual immorality, just trying to get deeper and deeper and getting more and more and trying to make the immoral a very small percentage. If you would watch TV and stuff, you would think over 50% of people are LGBTQA something when it's probably like 4 or 5%. But there's, see, see, there's such a wave out there and saying, listen, you've got to tell all, all that has to be normalized. All that sin has to be okay. And then you see in the court systems and, or, and, 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 and in the laws and stuff, they're allowing people that hit people upside the head and knock them out in the middle of the street. That's okay. They're misdemeanors. They, they, they don't want to allow that evil exists. 
They don't want to allow that, that there's people out there that care only about themselves. That it's okay to burn and loot and do certain things because of your situation. That it's okay. You know, if you're born with a hot temper, which you know there's kids and people that run with a hot temper, does that make it okay for me to go punch people in the head and, well, that's the way I was born? No. No, but the, we want to normalize all the sin so none of us are accountable and that we, we are our own God and we can, we can determine that. They want to, there's this undermining, this undertow. But we know that there's coming, He's coming, and it's going to be in twinkling of an eye, and for some people, it's going to be their nine 11 moment. They're not prepared for it. They need to be expecting it. You know, even, even the 9-11, we were told there were warning signs, and you know that wasn't the first time that the World Trade Center was attacked. There was another attack in the, in the 90s that tried to blow, blow it up from underneath. I worked for a company that had offices in there. And they had to get the data out of there from that bombing. They tried to, to bomb down below, but they didn't bring them down, but they attacked it again. But see, people have warning signs about those things, and the government, they had warning signs about those things, but you don't quite understand it. You're like, well, what does this mean, and what does that mean? And, you know, we could go back and say, people should have done this, or people should have done that. I wasn't in those rooms, but I will tell you that there's coming a day... It's going to be in a twinkling of an eye. And the way it was before is not the way it's going to be after. But we shall be changed. If, if we heed the warnings that we need to have our sins forgiven, God wants us to spend eternity in heaven with Him. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have eternal life, but it has to be through Jesus. There's only one way, only one way, no other way, but through Jesus. See, even now we have churches out there that think maybe there's multiple ways to heaven. Some don't think there's absolute truth. Some don't even believe in the Bible anymore. They're just a club. They're just a club. They're so-called preachers preaching heresy. Heresy. Leading people to hell. By saying everything's okay. You don't need to repent. Then why did Jesus need to come and die? Fifty-four, verse fifty-four. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass a saying that it is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. The sting of death is sin. That piercing, that cause is sin. When did death enter? When Adam and Eve sinned. And what was the temptation? That they might be like God, knowing good and evil. It's that... Me. I'm going to be my own God. Have you noticed any of that? 
It used to be, it used to be when you'd watch a sports games and things, it was about team. And we worked together as a team. And look how well good the teamwork is. And look how well they passed the ball to somebody else. And look how well they worked as a team. But now, it's about me. It's not about the team. College football, you watch college football and somebody goes to a, a bowl game and, not, and, their, and their best players don't always play. The team that brought them to that point. The team that huddled around it. They might be a great receiver. The quarterback that threw them the passes, the people that blocked for them so that they could look good, they're not going to support them and play with them because they might get hurt and it might mess up their contract or their possibility in the NFL. And now, for, as we go down this path, it's more about It's a bore about me, and about me, and about me. But sometimes, sometimes when we have these, these moments, you know, we're, we've talked, we're talking about the 9-1-1 moment, that moment that Jesus comes, and it's going to be a twinkling eye, it's going to be different, and we're going to be changed and incorruptible, and we can go to heaven... You have that hope if you've surrendered, you've given your life to God, but some just aren't thinking about that. Some just aren't preparing for that. But see, even in this life, we have this opportunity to work together. We have this opportunity to have peace that passes understanding, that help that God provides. We have those kinds of opportunities. See, we remember, do you remember, maybe you don't remember, but I believe it was even on 9-11, on there was 150 Congress people that got together. 150 members of Congress got together in solidarity. And what was the song they sang spontaneously together? I believe it was God Bless America. And there were Republicans there, and there were Democrats there. I don't know if you can get very many Republicans and Democrats in the same place at the same time right now. We have major events in our lives. When God comes in and intercedes in our life and does something in our life, and then we maybe we go through a difficulty, it might be a death, it might be a sickness, and there's unity of family. And people come together. Then some time passes and all of a sudden all the rifts open back up. We want more, you want more than an emotional thing. I want you to think about when God's come into your life and did something in your life, it brought up your emotions, but there was a real change. And the real change is what we want to stay and remember. We want to remember it's, it was different. And I want to maintain that. I don't want it to be the toilsome things. I don't want to go through the pain of a 9-11 to have camaraderie, to be wakened to my need 
of God do be awakened. So when we remember these difficult times, we want to remember we don't want to go through those again. But when we go through these difficult times, we want to remember God was there for us. And God can be there for us in the future. And God can be there for us so maybe we can avoid some of the heartaches through the sin and things that can get us in trouble. Maybe you've noticed as I'm preaching the sermon, I'm trying to bring out the different parts that your 9-11 moment, your 9-11 moment, makes you think about. It makes you think about the way it was before. It makes you think about the moment. And it makes you think about the after. For some of you, it was a wake-up call. You don't want to go back to the way it was. Because in desperation, we awaken to our need. In desperation, someone that's an alcoholic, in desperation, someone that's a drug addict, they awaken to their need as, I'm going down the wrong road, like the prodigal child is awakened. I'm going down the road, and they're awakened. And maybe they're awakened, too, that they need God. And we need to remember in those moments that we need that God, that we can't solve all our own problems. Else we do what? We repeat the cycle and go all the way back to the 9-11, the 9 moment to repeat it again if we don't learn the lessons that are being taught. We don't want people to feel bad. But sometimes they need to feel the desperation. So as you remember, as you remember the place that you've been and when you turn to God, remember, I don't want to go back to the way it was before God. I want to have that closeness that I have and I want to maintain it. I've got to fight for it. I've got to be purposeful for it. But if you're in the crisis of a 9-11, moment, turn to God Make it a different place to move forward from. And one of the places we have as hope is as we look forward, Jesus is coming again. We have the hope of Him. And we will be changed in an instant. Maybe you have ailments and aches and pains, but we will have an incorruptible body. We have that hope. Now, for some of you, you might be in the midst of difficulty and you might be in the midst of challenge and it's weighing on you. And I, I wanted to share a scripture with you in Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Now, if you're, if you, if you're challenged with, sometimes some are challenged with depression, more frequently, or anxiety more frequently. Sometimes that 9-11 moment or that 9-1-1 moment, whichever it is for you, is important. So Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. I want to get a chance for everyone to find it that's looking for it, or we have it on the screen. Philippians 4, 8, and 9. 
Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Verse 9. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So don't think about, there's times in your life that maybe you don't need to turn on the news and listen to all the bad stuff's going on. You've got enough to deal with. If you're one that's challenged with anxiety or depression, and I know those are different things, but these are one of these verses that I would, I would suggest that you bookmark or even memorize, it says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatever things are pure, things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there are any virtue, if there are anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Be thinking about the good things that God has for you. If you don't have Jesus as your Savior, then you need to be thinking of the sting of death. That needs to motivate you that you need to make a change. Because there's coming, in a twinkling of an eye, Jesus is going to come. Are you ready? And you're like, well, they've been saying Jesus is going to come for a long time. Well, he is going to come. But he could come for you today. But we have that hope. We have that peace. But we need to meditate on the things of God. If we have God... Let's focus on God. If you don't have God, my prayer for you is that you would feel the weight of the desperation you have and turn to God. Not to other things, but turn to God. You know, 9-11 could have been much worse. There was close to 3,000 people killed. You say, that's a lot. That was more than Pearl Harbor. You realize 50,000 people usually worked in that, the World Trade Center? 50,000 people usually worked in the World Trade Center? It could have been a lot worse. I'm not sure why it wasn't. But could it be that God had something to do to save some lives? Could be. That would be his style. But the depravity of sin has consequences. There's great cause out there. There's diseases going around. There's a disease going right now that's going around just people that are involved in primarily a certain activity. They don't want to say what that is, and I'm sure you can find it. We don't want to call sin, sin. We don't want people to feel bad. And so I don't want you to wallow in depression as you remember your 911 moment. It might take some time to get past whatever that was, that your 9-11 moment. Share the verse in Philippians. This helps you get you there. And lean on God. 
But if you've went through a 9-11 moment, the lesson that you should take is, I can't control everything. I can't. Bad things are going to happen because sin's in the world. But I can rejoice in the fact that I can have the peace of God as I depend on Him. But if you're not depending on Him, you need to feel the weight of the desperation. And we need to allow that desperation to come and we need to pray conviction on people that don't know the Lord. And we ache because we know it's going to take something heavy to wake them up from the rebellion. But you need to find Jesus because He's coming. You need to find Jesus before your 9-11 moment. So as we're standing together, and as you think about 9-11, or as you think about your 9-1-1, and I don't want you to go back to that time. I don't want you to feel that desperation again. I want you to rejoice that God helped you through that situation, that He will help you through the next one. That is, unless you don't have Jesus. Then I want you to wake up to Him. Father God, I pray that you'd be with each one that's in the sound of my voice. The Lord, some are hurting today, might have nothing to do with 9-11. We pray to the Lord that your soothing spirit would come to them. The Lord, as they've trusted in you, that you would encourage and strengthen them, that they would rely on Scripture and the hope of eternity with you, but that also you are... Holy Spirit with us, the paraclete that comes alongside our comforter. The comforter has come. And that you would help us to meditate on the good things and lift us up. Because we have our hope in you, we've, we're dependent on you, and we know that you will see us through. For all things come together for good to them that love God and are the cold according to his purpose. But we know some are outside the fold of, the fold of safety, and to them we want the desperation to be real. To feel. They can't do this on their own. They can't solve it. They can't figure it out. But they need Jesus. And they'd find a praise of prayer and say, Jesus, I am sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I see all this evil. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I want to follow you. Thank you for saving me. Help me to follow you. Oh, that they would pray their prayer. And Father, those that are depressed or dealing with things today, just help them to lean ever more and more on you. And would you soothe their spirit and bless them, we pray. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.